Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and a proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, along with my co-host and your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we are joined by Rick Mayhew, creator of PARS, a prospect ranking and rating system that will help give you an edge in your dynasty leagues. We talk about his connection with baseball, how PARS came to be, how the system works, and who it loves. We wrap up discussing the wildcard play-in game and why it stinks. Listen to the end. This is a good one. So without further ado, here is that conversation. Hey, Rick. Welcome. How you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you guys doing? Alex, you want to take this one? Uh, do I? I mean, I, I'm doing pretty well tonight. I and mean, No real complaints just yet. Um, I don't know. We'll see about how this Dodgers-Cardinals game... Uh, for uh, listeners at home, we are recording pretty early on, uh, about 9 o'clock Eastern, so there is plenty of time for some really, really chaotic stuff to happen in that game that we're just going to have to like melt down about like without seeing, so that that's exciting, right? That, that, that's exciting for y'all, right? Yeah, some things we'll probably say, and then uh, you'll be listening and like, well, how did they not know this already happened? Well, that's why. we It's, it's, uh, it's 9 o'clock, so... Um, you know, one of the things I love, Alexander, how we start is how often you say, I don't have really, really anything to complain about yet. I love that mentality that something is going to come up uh, about which you want to complain. So what do you see on the horizon? What's the next thing that's going to rub you the wrong way? Mm, let's see. Um, I don't know. I, you know, actually, okay. I realized the other day that daylight savings time only lasts like for about four and change months. Like, it starts in November and goes till March. Like, why? What's the point for just four mm. months? I always thought it was like half a year. It's not. Like, who who did this? <laughs> it used to be more. I don't know if uh, this might be one of those generational knowledge things because you're so much younger than me, but it definitely used to be longer. It would, by the time Halloween came, the clocks uh, would have, have changed already. Mm-hmm. Now it happens mm-hmm. afterwards. I, I don't remember exactly when they did that or why they did that, but that is a relatively recent change. Just I don't know if that makes you feel any better about it. But. No, it doesn't. It makes me feel <laughs> makes me feel like I'm going to like hunt Benjamin Franklin down and get him. About I this. think there's yeah. a state that doesn't even follow it. So if you ever want to move, you know, there is a place that just ignores it all year round. Yeah. Have you seen the time zone maps for um, Australia? I have not. I have not. I mean, so- I don't spend a lot of time searching up time zone maps, but. Um, I'm sure you're going to hit me with some knowledge here. Oh, I, oh boy. Um, yeah, so as is, <laughs> they currently have, like, a significant portion of their country that, like, has a half-hour apart time zone. Mm. But then they also have, like, mm. a half the country that follows daylight savings. So they go from three time zones, one of which has a half-hour, to five time zones, two of which have different half-hour marks in Australia. Because they love chaos and trying to kill you. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> I love the idea of going to Australia. I don't know if I love the idea of all the things that live there that want to take my life from me. And that might be tops of the list of things that would take my life from me. Yeah, how about uh, how many time zones there are in China? One, right? Yeah, just one, which is uh, also I, I think anyway, we could all live on one. We don't need more than one. I, I mean, as long as you're the one who gets to get up at daylight and doesn't have to like work through the nighttime because it's your daytime, I guess. I don't know. Maybe? Question mark? I don't know. Hey, we are very lucky to be joined today <laughs> with uh, Rick Mayhew. Did I say that right, Rick? I'm you sorry. I should have asked before I started recording. First nice. try. Look at that. That's the teacher skill in me. Uh, Rick Mayhew, uh, creator of PARS. Um, and I, I apologize, you didn't come on because you wanted to talk about Australian time zones, I'm sure. No, I did. Uh, but we are, 
we are really excited to have you here and uh, um, uh, to give you a chance to talk about your system. Could you uh, quickly, before I kind of get into the the questions that I want to ask you to, to uh, introduce you to the audience, um, if they don't already know, what does PARS stand for? It's, uh, believe it or not, I get it wrong sometimes, but it's a prospect aggregate ranking system. And sometimes I'll say rating system. Um, well, I mean, you're the creator of it. So I think, um, I think whatever you say is right. So I, I don't think you can be wrong about that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like, GIF, I, I don't know. GIF versus GIF. The creator oh, says okay, GIF yeah. and some people say GIF. That's true. I, I think suppose Alexander is one who says GIF, right? I he do. does. It drives yeah. me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like Alexander a lot, but for like 30 seconds after he says that, I'm really mad at him every time. Um, Agreed. Interestingly enough, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, he uh, this is going to be a short story, I promise. Uh, he did a revival in Puerto Rico uh, before COVID, but after they were kind of devastated by by uh, hurricane. And uh, he went down there, he performed a couple of them, and uh, he was tweeting about uh, messing up lyrics. Uh, but he said, you know, listen, I'm the writer, so it's not really a mistake. It's just a rewrite. So I think that's the same thing here. It's not really a mistake. It's just whatever you feel like calling it on a given day, that that's what's what it is. So um, it's a system for rating prospects, though, which is really kind of the, the crux here, right? That's, that's the idea? Yeah, basically. Um, it came from a very different place than it is now, and that's where the aggregate is. Um, it used to just be me taking other people's lists and, and averaging them out to get okay. an aggregate. And I left that as one of the um, categories after I started adding in my own. And then eventually I just took that out completely and went off completely um, you know, in my own direction, not using anyone else's rankings. It was just, just didn't make any sense to just copy at a certain point. Um, so it's still oh, an yeah. aggregate of different things though. But the original aggregate was you know, using all these different sites as lists and ranks. Awesome. Not just to give people a little bit of background on on that as we start to talk about things, but before we get into the crux of the system and, and all of that, um, I'm curious about your personal connection with baseball, what it means to you, and how that kind of brought you into doing what you're doing with the, with the PARS. Yeah, I mean, baseball's always really been just kind of ingrained in me. Um, when I was, I think, five or six, I got a shoebox of cards from my dad um, to mm. distract me from um, you know, my grandmother was sick in and out of the hospital. So he got me a shoebox full of tops baseball cards and you know, that I was just fascinated. Um, and you know, it just kind of led to baseball card collecting, reading the numbers on the back of the cards and, you know, just putting them in order based on the card number and just really, um, just was like fascinated with stats and, you know, stats back then were just batting average home run, you know, none of these advanced metrics, but Right. Um, yeah, I would just say baseball cards from when I was a young kid. And um, I was a big Mark McGuire fan when he first came out. <laughs> he was he was my uh, first favorite player before I knew he was, you know, you know cheating or whatever. But um, sure. Yeah. And more innocent time. Yeah, definitely. That <laughs> um, USA baseball card, 1985 tops. That yeah, was the yeah. one. <laughs> so I have this really, really strange memory of being in like second grade and getting like a, a scholastic mini magazine um in which there was an article talking about the uh like Maguire Sosa home run race and it is like one of the things that was used to teach people how to read in this classroom I was in and 
it's really really funny to me it's like i was really aware of baseball around that time um and i kind of just stopped being aware of baseball for a while because the nearest team was the texas rangers and i don't know why anyone would willingly be aware of the texas rangers <laughs> during like the mid late 2000s um you know things changed i guess um but do you who who do you actually root for then uh, i'm an ace fan that's a good um, answer. I like that answer. I mean, I grew up in New York, so it was everything was Yankees Mets. But I'll tell you a really mm-hmm. s- silly reason why I'm an Ace fan, and it was before McGuire. Um, just that box of cards. Every single card was blue, red, orange, blue, red, orange, and then all of a sudden the A's, and there was this green team. And as a six year old, it's like, hey, these guys are different. I, I, you know, I like these guys. They're not blue or red. Like every single team had the same colors. Yeah. And, um, Wait, you know, then orange? McGuire came out and it just sealed the deal. I guess nobody likes the Orioles, Alexander. What? Nobody likes the Orioles. I guess there's also the Giants. I'm trying to think like who, who would be orange <laughs> baseball teams that you'd have enough baseball cards that you would hate orange teams. This is, this is a mistake on your part. <laughs> Mad going green instead of orange. You could be cheering for, um, Cedric Mullins right now. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is the mind the, of a six year old. Only one. I mean, now we have purple and teal and. Um, yeah right definitely it's a shame <laughs> that the rockies get to be purple and that no one else gets to be purple relatively speaking i mean I, I, someone else could choose to be purple but the diamondbacks were for a while they should be again they had purple they had and teal it, and then they let it go yeah yeah i i think no go ahead rick i don't know what the diamondbacks are doing i mean i love those original jerseys and then they go to like <laughs> gray red and black and then one day they're like purple and green and white and it's just hey, what, the, like, the serpientes ones are gorgeous yeah those are pretty cool yeah i've got the gallon throwback one in that one i would say that alec thomas the serpientes jerseys and uh just catel Marte are the only three good things that have happened in arizona recently so ever you know yeah well (laughs) they did have that one year where they beat the yankees and that was pretty sweet no that didn't happen Uh, ever (laughs) (laughs) um so my, I guess my next follow-up question is, it sounds like like the stats is kind of what sucked, besides the colors, uh, which makes perfect sense, that the, the numbers actually got you in it. Have you always kind of been a, uh, I'm interested in the numbers of baseball uh, just as much as I am the on-field game of baseball? Yeah, I, you know, I started doing like predictions of, you know, future seasons when I was like nine or 10 with a friend. We would just, you know, pick up a guy's card and then just try to predict his next year's stats and then follow up on it a year later and see what we did. And now we have like full on projection systems that do this and, you know, people use them for, you know, high stakes gaming and it's, it's pretty Mm -hmm. cool stuff. I mean, um, yeah, so I'd say I was always into the numbers. Um, just found them really fascinating, you know, with the numbers now that we're tracking are connected to the sport from the 1800s. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. It's just kind of romantic and fascinating and, like some things are just like straight out of like Greek mythology. Like when you look at some of these older guys and it's just, just always love that part of baseball that we're just connected to it from so long ago. Yeah. I haven't really ever, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the history of the game, but I haven't really thought about how the stats are kind of the thread that, that ties all of that together. That's really a, a very romantic and kind of cool way of thinking about it. I mean, I personally love how really, really annoying trying to like, explain why they're all stupid and don't compare to each other you remember you probably neither you guys i assume remember neither you were there uh but you know 
there used to be a thing where strikeouts and stuff didn't exist. So like someone's batting average could be 400 just because like the only option is to put the ball in play and no one knows how to play defense because their gloves are the size of their hands. Um, so the stats that like, you know, like baby baseball, if you want to call it that way or whatever, you know, baseball before the ball was actually like brightly colored enough that you could get out of the way of it instead of just universally made all that fun stuff yeah (laughs) it's it's really funny to kind of like go back through like the the dead ball era stats because they're just so bonkers Uh, so bonkers yeah you know and that's what gives us those great like you know otani is the first person since old tungsten arm or whoever to do so and so and (laughs) yeah these crazy (laughs) names from had they even mined tungsten at that point did they even know it existed was it on the periodic table i don't think Um, that matters but yes i think it had (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they weren't using it for uh for baseball um all right so you touched a little bit rick on on where pars sort of came from could do you mind just like elaborating a little bit on like what were, what were you trying to accomplish i i uh gathered that it was something you were kind of doing for your own prep that is kind of morphed into this tool that um has some more of that universal uh application to to the different kinds of fantasy games that we play these days uh, if you could just kind of take us a little bit more through that process, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, um, it all kind of, I've been saving this story for this pod, actually. And um, the reason that Paras exists is because of a Fantrax glitch. They uh, lost my watch list. I had added really? about, yeah, I added about, I don't know, 200 prospects to this watch list over the course of like three weeks, just reading box scores and finding guys that were interesting and adding them and going back to them later. And then one day my watch list was just gone. And, um, in like that week of panic, I was just, I created an Excel sheet of all the guys that I can remember and just tried to like recreate it. And I said, well, mm-hmm. if I can't depend on fan tracks then I need to make a separate uh, place for this. So I just started, you know, making the list of guys in Excel. And then, um, I started adding in categories like why did i get here um it was just the name i, I put a name there because he went three for three with two home runs but then i'd forget if he was doing good for the last two weeks so i would just start to track the categories update it you know pretty pretty regularly and then i said hey maybe i can make a, a system out of this so it's not just you know names that i like how do i put them in order Mm-hmm. And I just started like messing around with different stats and categories and averaging them out and then just came up with my own ranking of who I'm going to grab in, in my league. And I just, I guess I just owe it all to a technical error. Um, <laughs> they found my list eventually. Um, but I, I don't even know if I'd be doing it this way if they never lost that watch list, which is just crazy that's, to think about. Actually amazing. I love that. I love that story. And I love that it involves fan tracks, some sort of system failure because that's, Something I think most of us can relate to. That wait time, that white bar across the top of the screen when you're just <laughs> trying to do anything. I love the app, though. I mean, I think it, they, they're so in-depth in, in with the player list and what you can do. But they need to optimize their app for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, the platform is amazing. The the interface, I don't I don't really understand the disconnect there. It seems like they got the hard part right and the easy part wrong. But. Right. There is definite beauty in that, though. I. I love it anytime someone can pull off something so so great as that. Um, you know, players as well. You know, like people who can do like pretty much everything right. Do you remember when like uh, I think it was like Jared Saltolamacchia like forgot how to throw the ball back to the pitcher as a catcher? <laughs> yeah, like in Major League Two. Mackie <laughs> no, Sasser too. Real life, the Mets. also. 
Yeah, yeah. Just to pound the glove and not know what to do with that ball. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a, it's so crazy how those things. Check Knobloch all of a sudden not being able to throw the ball to first base. I mean, I, that would actually be a pretty interesting study. Like everybody who just suddenly had the yips and, and what what the deal was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, before we get into talking players, because I know that's really what we're itching to do here. Um, I am curious uh, for our numbers of the week segment. I, I don't have a specific number. I'm going to ask you, Rick, to tell me what your favorite baseball stat or baseball number. So maybe it's like, I love swinging strike rate or I love this record. Uh, it could be anything you want. What's, what's your favorite baseball stat or baseball number? I went a little specific to 21 cause I just wanted to narrow it down. And the number is 691. And that is the number of plate appearances that Mitch Hanniger had this year. And to a, to a different extent, but in the same vein, 616, Trey Mancini. Uh, I just really think that's just a really fascinating um, story that these guys came back from two horrible afflictions to put up 700, almost 700 and over 600 plate appearances in 2021. And just a true testament to the will of those guys and they were productive and excellent. And I just, uh, just, just amazes me. Yeah. Well, I love both of like, those choices, man. What? Yeah, I, definitely. I have to look this up because I'm curious now, like they had how many combined home runs this year? Man- Mancini had just 21. That's fewer than they thought. But that means that they combined for almost 60 home runs. That is incredible. Like they weren't just back and like a bat, like Mancini kind of had a poor ish second half relatively speaking but Hanniger is just stupid good um and did you guys watch the end of the uh Mariners game from Saturday not from Sunday but from Saturday while they like still had something to play when they for won? yeah yeah with Man. the Dave Sims call I okay my first reaction to that actually is that I was like who is this guy and what is going on and why does it sound like this I don't understand what I'm experiencing <laughs> um and I feel like that's probably sacrilege um I feel like i'm probably wrong but i enjoyed knowing that i was wrong so yeah no, knowing the handler's back is just really something that i didn't even have my eye on something to, to look for this season you know i was looking for mancini to be back because i'm like following the orioles um and yeah. yeah i really am curious like it feels like mancini has to win comeback player of the year yeah but i think they're both legitimately deserving and i think it would be a smart move almost to like have oh. them both win it if that's yes. possible this is the year mm. to do co comeback yeah. player of the years yeah why not definitely amazing well i th- i i love not only the the stats because i think they're pr- they're pretty cool but uh, the stories behind them that's that's always the part that gets me. You know, Alexander's definitely a little bit more of the uh, the numbers guy here. I uh, I I like the the heart of the baseball game, the history of the baseball game, and stuff. And I mean, those two things can coexist, right, Alexander? I mean, one of the funnest things about like baseball as like a fan is that like even if you dumb it down, like there's no way to avoid it. So there is a whole lot of range of like possible things that you could have like as your favorite thing, like like the number of things that I could imagine just like being in awe of someone's home run record or like Mm -hmm. games playing record. Like those are really easy, tangible things, which we're still kind of counting and tracking. And that's sort of like, you know, it's kind of like almost like tally marks. I don't know. Like 
I I kept score. I was like the scorekeeper for my brother's baseball team whenever I was like in fifth or sixth grade, and he was in like first or second. Uh, you know, <laughs> sit there with the book and try to figure out how many errors on a particular play. It was really fun. Um, you know, it's they're all errors. Oh you know, my god, at they that were, level, they were, <laughs> um, they were. It was very fun. Um, yeah, there's just so much different. Or there's so many different points of access, basically, when it comes to these things. Like for example, my current favorite number is zero. That's the number of games that the Yankees will play for the rest of the year because they <laughs> lost. Um, yeah. But you can pick out I'm lots of different things at all times. That yeah, one too. Yeah, I, I love how you worked that in, and I didn't have to do it. I, it wasn't even the it wasn't even the Homer here, the Red Sox fans thinking that in. So I applaud you. If I had sound effects, I would be uh, I would be giving you a round of applause right now. Um, all right, let's get into the crux of of the episode and and why we have Rick here, and that's to talk about ways to more effectively rank and and really ultimately the rankings are just to kind of better even understand prospects and and who should be on our radar and um you know I, I, prospects are tough they're, they're we don't have the same kind of data we don't have uh, a, a FanGraphs page that has all that stuff we don't have sliders um, <laughs> I know how much Alexander loves the sliders. So, like, how how can we be better? And I think you've got a system here that that's really onto something. So, um, my first question for you, and you can use this as a segue to talk about whatever you really want. Like, you know, politicians pivot, so you can kind of sort of answer it, or you can totally answer it, whatever you're comfortable with. But how does this system work a little bit differently? Um, you know, don't give us the secret recipe. I understand, uh, but what are some of the maybe the components that it looks at differently than say, like if I just go to Eric Cross's ranks, uh, you know, uh, what's the difference there? Well, I guess the first thing that stands out is that every prospect is getting a grade. Uh, it's not just one through a hundred, but everyone's getting a, a, a number, you know, right down to a, you know, 66.4 or, you know, 78.2. It's everyone's getting a number and I make my rankings based on that. So there's, there's no feel that's put into it. It's just all numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've said before, uh, it's the subjectivity of it is that I created what numbers to track. But sure. what comes out of it is objective. Um, so, yeah, just uh, putting a number next to everybody, grading everyone, and then sorting them that way. Um, just the scope of it, uh, there's really not that many... Uh, ranking systems that go past 250 for prospects. So I was really interested to go really deep for deep dynasty leagues and try to get that number. I was trying to get it to a thousand, um, but wow. I think I fell short. I think I'm around 800 right now. If you add in DSL and uh, complex, I think, I think that'll work. That'll play, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 800. <laughs> so yeah, I'm at 800, and it's a manual update that I'm trying to um, do every month. Um, so it'll be, it's a pretty significant task. So I don't really want to go too far past that, but my goal was a thousand, but you know, 800 will work 750. Um, well, I mean, every system is, is subjective in the inputs, right? I mean, that's, that's how this all works. Any stat that you go to that's been created by a person is they've made a decision about what's in that stat and what's not in that stat. So we can talk about, uh, you know, things like hard hit rate but somebody decided what counts as a hard hit ball somewhere. So, I mean, it's all, it's all relative in that, in that regard. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the, like the range of outcomes is going to, you know, change every, uh, every year. Cause there'll be different stats every year. So it's not that, you know, the hardest hit ball is, you know, 48, uh, you know, or sorry, uh, someone hit, hitting the ball 48, 
uh, 48% of the time hitting it hard versus someone hitting it 0% of the time. Next year, it'll be, mm -hmm. you know, 55. So every year, the range will change that they get graded off of. And it's based off of the field. Uh, we're not yeah. using like 2019's range of outcomes for 2021. It's 2021's live outcomes that we're grading off of from the top to the bottom. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, another thing about that, the number system. So correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes I'm uh, dense with these types of things. But it sounds to me like not only is it a rank, but it also allows you to kind of see uh, uh, tiers to a certain degree. And I think one of the, the downsides of ranks is that you don't always get to see the cliffs, right? So a guy who is ranked 32 and a guy who's ranked 33, that's a cutoff. There might be a huge talent gap there, but it doesn't look like it strictly with ranks. But if you have these associated numbers you can actually see that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm a huge fan of tiers as opposed to just, um, you know, six is better than seven. Um, like you say, because that, that cliff, you won't see that cliff. But in pars, you will. I mean, w the difference between one and two and seven and eight is just much, much more drastic. This feels um, like an argument for making it rating and not ranking system then, right? I believe it is uh, rating, yeah. Uh, I always get it wrong and say ranking. <laughs> I think, That's okay. I like think I you said, should go back yours, and forth but... every single time like a USB drive. <laughs> I think that would be more satisfying. But yeah, I, rating sounds like a smart thing. Now, when you, uh, when you, uh, sorry, I just got to jump in with this. When you finally get your merch going, Rick, you're going to have to have a, like a shirt that says like rating and its shadow is ranking or ranking and the shadow is rating. Oh, I like that. Nod to the, to the two different ways. I, you know, I, I absolutely love that even when you're doing this, that sometimes you go back and forth. And I know maybe you get frustrated with yourself for that, but I, I love it because it, it, it speaks to how organic this is and how like deeply rooted in, I wanted to try and solve a problem. I was trying to create something to, to address a need. And I, I did, I dug in and I did, and I have this thing and it's, it's working. And, and so like, I don't know, I, I think there's a, a beauty in that. Thanks, man. I'm really happy to do the pod tonight because um, my, um, I guess if I had a mascot for pars, it would be uh, Juan Yepes, and uh, he got the call tonight to the he got added to the cards <laughs> roster, and I was on an adrenaline high for about two hours after that. Just, <laughs> it's like I feel like I'm getting called up to the majors. You know, it's just you know, I, I follow him. Money. His dad follows me. I follow his dad. I mean, I just feel like so connected to Juan Yepes, like my success with pars, I feel is just going to be completely dependent on Juan Yepes being good. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just the perfect night. You know, I, I saw that message and I just, you know, just, uh, man, that was just a good one. Just to know that my breakout that I called, you know, two months ago is going to be one of what, five major leaguers in history to make their debut on a playoff roster. Yeah. One can had, hope. Like, it's amazing. One can Kirilov, hope. Um, we had Mondesi, uh, Ryan Weathers, Shane McClanahan, and some guy from the A's I never heard of. Don't judge me as an A's fan. No, <laughs> no judgment here. <laughs> it's amazing knowledge to have off the top of your head anyway. Alexander. So, I mean, I had a question on deck, and it is going to stay there, but I really want to know why him? Why Juan Yepes? Well, I mean, I guess he was the first name that cracked my top 50 that I never heard of. Um, mm -hmm. I was just kind of pulling, uh, pulling names, um, from different rankings just to get the names on the list, you know, using pipeline, using Eric cross, uh, prospects, 1500 prospects live, just trying to get like everyone's top ranks. So I didn't miss any of the big names. 
And then it was just a matter of digging through rosters to see who I missed um, and just started from AAA and then go all the way back to um, DSL and um, just try to see names that are performing that I just weren't on any lists. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Pez was in AAA, so I got to him pretty early. And um, it was his home run total and uh, his OPS that just popped. And I'm like, wait, why isn't this guy anywhere? And I, mm. I, I parsed him, uh, which is what I call it when I run someone through the, the formula. <laughs> I parsed him and he came out super high. And I'm like, I did it 100 times. And I was like, what am I missing? I, I'm like, no, this guy is good. And I looked it up and he's been blocked by Freddie Freeman. Uh, he was blocked by Paul Goldschmidt. And he just never mm. had opportunity. Uh, he's not quad A. Um, he's good. He's, he's going to be good. And if there's NLDH, uh, I really, really, really think he's going to, uh, step into a regular role. Um, well, this is where I'm glad that we're recording now and releasing on Friday so I can go get this guy on my dynasty team before <laughs> any of my league mates can hear this. So yes. I, I want to kind of like describe the shape of a one yep as slick candidate then. So he is according to fan graphs, like a, a 40 future value guy, uh, like 60 raw power and then like forties ish and like all their other tool grades. He's also got a one fifty four WRC plus across 357 PAs at AAA, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I should sometimes whenever I like cite WRC plus numbers, I think like we kind of miss how good that is for reference. Aaron Judge had a 150 WRC plus this year in the majors. So like Juan Yepes was triple A's Aaron Judge in some regards. Then, um, <laughs> yeah, he has 22 bombs in uh, 50 or 357 plate appearances. So like you can't quite double that for like a full season, but like that's like a, a high 30s pace. Um, and yeah, no, like the I, I see why then if you're like only 23 years old, that would make you a good player. Um, so that is, that's really interesting that I, like, if you look back then, like, what is it that we are missing? Like, there's no 2020 data. I'm sure that's screwy, but. Well, I like the narrative of being blocked. I think that's, I really think that's a powerful story that kind of supports why he wouldn't, you know, teams that have empty spaces will call guys like that up and, and they catch lightning in a bottle. They stay. Um, and you've got Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt on your team. You're, you you don't really feel the need to do that. So I think I love that you have the story behind behind the the numbers there too. Yeah, exactly. And that 154 in AAA, he had a 153 in AA uh, before the call up yeah. this year. Um, so yeah, it's really consistent. Uh, the thing that was lacking with him the whole time was power. A first baseman without power is you know probably not going to fly. But uh, you know the other tools were there. I mean. Uh, he had a few stops where he walked above 10%. The Ks were always pretty low, but, I mean, he's taking it to a new level this year. He's walking 12% of the time, and his Ks are you know, 19%. So, I mean, that's that's excellent. Um, his, yeah. his ISO is almost you know, 300. His, his WOBA is 413. I mean, he just checks all the boxes besides speed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's my uh, poster child for, <laughs> for pars. So, rooting, I'm definitely team uh, Yepes. <laughs> well, I think we're on board now too. I, I think you, you've also kind of got yourself in a nice moment here, where like the fact that there is just so much um, scouting data, like boots on the ground. Let's go look at this guy and figure out how good he was. Data from last year missing means a much faster reactive product of any sort has a better chance now to take hold 
gain significance, gain some sort of following that it usually would. And I imagine that it has to help you out in some way. Um, but at the same time, because you're also lacking some last year data that I'm sure would be really helpful if you're like running through this, that through a hundred years of simulations, like when you have someone's pars, like so we didn't even talk about the scale here. Right. Uh, so this is from like from the top of your list. Uh, I'm going to grab a couple guys and I'm just going to like throw someone through here. Right. Sure, so yeah. if like you have like uh 95 plus is a potential hall of famer, 895 is perennial all-star 75 to 80 is like a long range league career, maybe some all-star games you know, high 60s, low 70s, major league regular, anything above 60s, potential major league regular, 50s, kind of like super util guy. So, for example, if I'm picking out, I don't know, I have like among your starting pitchers, Grayson Rodriguez is at a 95 here, which is, you know, one-tenth of a par or whatever um, <laughs> into the potential Hall of Famer zone. Like, what error bars look like on that and like how much do you know that you you can trust what you have when you're putting it up there hey alex fast here and thanks for listening to this podcast on the pitcher list podcast network if you're a fan consider supporting all of us by getting a po plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff plus you can hang out with our incredible pitcherless community it's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as eight dollars a month you can sign up at pitcherless.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show yeah, I mean, I created those ranges just because people were saying, well, is 50 average? Is 75 million? Oh, yeah, no. I, is, I, I, so I, I just kind of wanted to... I think those labels are a really good gradation, even if the numbers are kind of weird. I'm just curious, like... Well, yeah, I mean, someone's going to make the Hall of Fame that's in AAA <laughs> right <laughs> now. Right. Someone someone is. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, Gray Rod, I mean, he's in AA, but, um, you know, Gray Rod, he's just he he's just phenomenal and um he according to my system he's the number one pitcher in the minors i don't think that's a hot take and he oh, did, yeah. Yeah, did cross yeah. over into that potential hall of famer uh bucket i know um futures focus pod they did a whole pod dedicated to picking um <laughs> minor leaguers who are going to be in the hall of fame and that's just such a crazy task to to try to say yeah. that this 18 year old or this 20 year old is going to be a Hall of Famer. It's just, you know, guys hit, guys miss. You never really know sure. what's, what's going to happen. But, um, you know, he's in that bucket. Uh, him and J-Rod, I believe, are the only two. Um, Bobby Witt I, is close. Yeah, um, that, that looks right if I'm, like, flipping through here. The question I kind of have then, um, in I know that the whole point of this question is that it's hard to answer. So that's, that's very clearly the point of this, though, is, like, you're not saying there's a 100% shot. I don't think you're saying there's a 50% shot. Like how much of not, I'm not telling you to, I'm not saying like how, like how, what are his odds of making the hall of fame best of your system? That seems like a, that seems like a stupid version of this even for me to ask, but it's like <laughs> how much confidence does your system have 
say that Grayson Rodriguez is going to be better than, let me not pick out another Oriole. Um, nope, too late. I'm going to do it. DL Hall, who has like a 71 parts. Like, are we, how, like, I'm trying to, like, trying to think, right? And this is a thing that everyone else's grades have the same problem with as well. So that's why I'm just kind of curious. Like, are you, are you like, what are the chances then, like, that, God, this is so hard to phrase, right? It's like, how much certainty can a system like You're this talking about confidence intervals, right, right, basically, right, right, statistically right. speaking, right? So, like, like uh, you can, Ugh. his numbers come out. He's very good. His, he's performing really, really well. Um, you know, he may make the Hall of Fame. He may not. We, we totally understand that, right? Yeah. Like, what, let's just take away the, the actual, like, uh, descriptive part of the number. If he's at a 95, like, what, what do you think a realistic range of outcomes might be? Um, you know, if you're going to hit a 95 on my, um, ranking, that means that the scouts believe in you and the stats back it up. Um, you know, if you're having a bad year, but your scouting grades, you know, you're supposed to be a stud, you're going to still have a decent score, but you won't be that high. So this is basically, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be good. The stats are saying you're good. You were good last year. Or, um, you know, if there was no, you know, you know, of course with 2020, there was no last year. So I'm usually referring to 19, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 could all be in relation to everyone else behind him too, not just specifically mm, Grayson, okay. but um, Grayson compared to everyone set, that exists right, right now. Set. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Let me. Let me can I, I would like to segue into one of the questions that I kind of had on the rundown here because this is something I'm curious about, and this is like a a genuine curiosity because I have no idea. Um, one of the things that boggles my mind is when people are going nuts about like 16 year olds or 17 year olds. Um, Same. what's the, the Yankees guy, Jason Dominguez, right? Yeah. Everybody, he's going to be the next Mike Trout. Like the dude can't drive in some States yet. So, uh, I, I, I'm curious from your point of view, what's the best way to try and smooth out that curve between somebody who's like high a and playing really well and somebody who's at triple a and playing really well, um, who's 22, 23 years old. There's a huge gap there that uh, like anybody who's doing prospect ranks like anybody has to try and figure that out and that's got to be one of the most monumental tasks i can i can even think of as somebody who doesn't do this so like how does your system try and smooth that kind of unsmoothable curve yeah it's difficult um the the cutoff is 80 at bats so if you don't have 80 at bats i'm not even going to look at you um okay I really do hate uh, judging the DSL and the complex guys. And I think in my comments on pars, you'll read them and you could just like feel the disgust of like me trying to judge this 16 year old <laughs> child. Like how right. we don't even know how tall they're going to be. Um, but right. part, of, part of it is projecting. So if there's a kid who's 16, 17 and he's six to 140 pounds, you know, I'm projecting that he's not going to end up 140 pounds. So with that, right. if he's a pitcher, you can add a few ticks to his fastball. Uh, if he's an outfielder, you can, you know, probably uh, add some power projection and maybe, you know, depending on how big, you know, maybe the speed, if he's got a 60 grade speed, 70 grade speed, maybe that comes down a tick or two because he's going to fill out. Um, but yeah, it's difficult. Um, this is yeah. why I have um, Nick Plummer in triple a performing, uh, higher than Jordan Walker. And, you know, there's Cardinals fans who would crucify me for that. You know, <laughs> Nick Plummer's They're busy 20... tonight. It's okay. 
Yeah, but that's that's a great question though, and it does drive me crazy. And it, whenever someone requests me to add a DSL or a complex bat, I just kind of cringe because I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't want to leave well, them I, out either. It's I mean, it's a challenge of the of what you're trying to what anybody doing what you're doing is going to face. I, I would like to to get to uh, real players here that you're excited to talk about, and we're excited to hear about. I want to couch it in terms of like who are the the players that your system really kind of loves or um, maybe is a little bit lower on than industry or the the standouts or the outliers and you can kind of take that and run with it wherever you want. This is a time for you to be able to kind of showcase the guys you like and and especially the guys that you like or or want to stay away from because of your system. Yeah, I, I think um, one very popular name that is probably better than we're giving him credit for is Josh Young of the Rangers. Um, he's, he's a top prospect, but he doesn't get ranked as high as he should. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably a top 10 prospect for me. Um, usually he's lower on most uh, ranks. So he's actually performing better. He has opportunity next year in Texas. That's kind of a black hole over there. Um, so he, he's going to get job opportunity is, um, not really worked into this too much, but I do think about it for a call up, but it it doesn't change their number if there's a spot or not. Another guy, uh, in the same situation or a different situation, uh, Vinny Pasquantino of the Royals. Uh, he's a first baseman and he's clearly blocked by, um, Nick Prado, who's uh, the first baseman in AAA. So Prado's supposed to be manning first for the Royals uh, as soon as next year. And Pasquantino, who's phenomenal, he, he has the exact same number of walks as strikeouts, and he's a power-hitting, you know, big chunk of a man. And um, <laughs> so should I ding him because he doesn't have a spot? Um, no. I mean, things are going to work themselves out. Um, trades, injuries, um, DH, position changes. Yeah. But yeah, Vinny Pasquantino is someone who's very high on my list that I don't usually see on many, um, you know, top 50s, top 100s. But um, so, yeah, those are the two I'd say that are, um, you know, go add them now if they're available in any of your dynasty (laughs) leagues. I get those two right off the bat. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really want to touch too much on the stars, you know. Miguel Vargas is um, a pretty pretty popular name, and I Mm -hmm. think he's even better than the rankings give him credit for, but don't want to dig too much into him. You know, MJ Melendez, the minor league home run leader. Um, he's, uh, you know, by my system, he's, what do I, where do I have him? Um, I believe I have him top like 20 bats. Yeah. He's number 11. Um, I'm doing a mock draft uh, for the minors with prospects 1500 right now. And I think we're at the end of the third round of 20 team league. And he's still, he's still out there. Mm. Um, and I have him ranked as 11th. Um, so <laughs> don't, uh, yeah, go get him quick. Well, it's a mock, right? It's a but mock. Still. I'm not, you know, con- too, yeah, too yeah, concerned yeah. with that, but yeah, I mean, those guys are definitely must adds for me. Um, the, the system backs it up also. If you take a look at Pasquantino, um, he's just, um, just the exact same number of walks and strikeouts. And if something like that, or especially more walks and strikeouts, that's really going to just give you a huge boost on um on the system he uh he had almost the exact same season in double a that he had in uh high a this year um mm. he had a 154 wrc plus in high a and then a 153 in double a um yeah. his repeatability is nice 
yeah, he's very projectable. Uh, 24 total home runs. Um, you know, that 154 WRC plus, like we were talking about with judge before, I mean, just that level 12% walk rate in high a 13 in double a, uh, mm-hmm. K rate came down to 11% in double a beautiful, just amazing. Yeah. So he's a, he's a, not a household name, but he should be. Anytime mm. anyone can walk more than they strike out at any level, that's that's on my list of just like the the really beautiful achievements you can do in baseball. Hundred <laughs> percent. Those are those are my favorite kind of players. Uh, Felix Valerio is another name that does that. And um, my um, latest ad in my league was uh, Stephen Kwan of the Indian of the sorry the Guardians. Uh, yes, Stephen Kwan is just um, he, he was always supposed to be you know a good hit tool. Um, but he's kind of stepped into some power and, um, he had this year, he had 36 walks to 31 strikeouts and he had, uh, five homers in double, uh, sorry, seven homers in double a East, which is a notorious hitters environment. So we weren't really sure if that's, you know, uh, a a skill he has, or if it's Mm -hmm. just the environment, he goes up to triple a and in half the number of at bats, he hits five more home runs. So now he's got 12 homers in 300 at bats for a guy who was not supposed to be a power hitter. He's 5'9. Um, but even if this guy steps into 10 to 12 homers, I mean, you're looking at, you know, a potential, you know, 300 plus hitter who doesn't strike out. And Cleveland has had some outfielder issues. So um, being Rule 5 eligible, I think he's someone who is either going to be starting for the Guardians next year or will be like an Akil Badu. Uh, get grabbed and uh, start somewhere else because. And what's uh, that? What the, what's the name there again? Just for for people who might uh, oh, might Steve, have forgotten. Stephen Kwan of Stephen the uh, Kwan. Guardians. Uh, he's you know, like we were saying, the, the walks over the K's. Just love that, and um, yeah, huge target for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, are there any left that that are kind of like your system pushes them a little bit higher than maybe you see elsewhere? Or, or on the flip side, any that that uh, kind of maybe are suppressing uh, guys who are ranked a little higher than than you have, and you're a little bit suspicious of whether they might be a little overranked. Yeah, my system hates Jordan Groshans. Um, he's a <laughs> he's a top prospect everywhere you go, but I I'm just calling him a bust. I don't think he's going to be good. Um, he's got some really really scary um, traits. Um, I just don't think that um, he's what we think he is. Pulling up some data here. Uh, 22% mm-hmm. hard hit rate. Um, Where not, do you pull that from, I should ask? Like, how is that accessible for you or for us? Uh, that is an amazing tool through RotoWire. Um, you oh, can. Yeah, pick, I, I, know, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, you can pick which sports you want, and it kind of brings the price down. And if you're just a baseball guy like me, it's, it's super affordable, and it's really great. They don't have all levels, so it's kind of not fair to include it, but I can't ignore it. Um, mm-hmm. I try to work it in because when you see a guy like uh, Cody Thomas of the A's with a, you know, I think it's almost 50% hard hit rate leading all of minor league baseball qualified players, that really jumps out. Sure. Um, I, I yeah, feel it's... like I'm obligated to do my like 15 second hard hit rate bad bit here, but like still like Groshans is, uh, for example, 2021, 20, he's a double A. It's a 19% K rate, 10% walk rate. So that means he's putting the ball in play, um, rounding errors here 70% of the time. Um, so you take his like 
contact rate if you're like ball and play rate basically um and you multiply it by this hard hit rate that's like his actual hard hit per pa rate which is what matters um it truly 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 does not matter what someone's hard hit rate is if you don't adjust for how often they make contact now mind you 70 percent of pas being balls in play that's pretty normal um so like he's not like a weird outlier where that we would throw that out. Mm, uh, I yeah. so like I want to say in this case you're complete. Also that low, there's no way to make that good. <laughs> like that's bad. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good for I think they're good for broad strokes. And when you're talking oh, about yeah. minor league players that where you have such an absence of data, anything that can give you a hint or a right. clue beyond it, hit tool is it, it, I think it as much as like we have so much more data for major leaguers. So maybe it becomes a little bit less of a, a, a storyteller Ooh. with minor leaguers. I think the, that that's the point is that it's actually digging deeper, right? Yeah. No, like we don't need, we don't need a different number. We just need to like change the denominator. It's really easy to do. And that's why I scream into the void. I'd be like, this is so easy for Tom Tango. If you're listening to stop screwing this up, <laughs> um, Tom Tango's not listening to this. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's just as simple as like, you don't want to ding the guys with a 10% k rate for making more contact right and that's what makes a lot of i think the tool building around that stuff is like how many of those like little tiny things can you make just like a tiny chip away improvement at and it's just overwhelming having tried to do all this like how many different statistical products people make that are pretty good that are broken a little bit and Mm -hmm. i imagine from your perspective there have just been like so many different little things where it's like man I wish this was less broken this way because it, it's, I like to make this analogy. Um, there for any class is just statistical or computer E whatever tool, uh, baseball or otherwise, but especially baseball, you know, you end up with kind of like three broad strokes of people, you know, at the low end of like this bell curve, if you imagine it, like the people who like don't have any experience with numbers, like the Luddites, they're not going to trust you no matter what. Um, as you like move towards the middle, like you've got people who are like marginally like familiar with how things work and they'll like take your number as gospel and they'll like interpret Grayson Rodriguez as a locked hall of famer, which selfishly, yes, he is. Um, (laughs) but as you get farther and farther into like the have experience trying to do a project like this, your error bars go up, but like your appreciation is so high for like how much of an incremental improvement something like this is that it's like, yeah, I know that this guy isn't the lock to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know that so and so isn't a lock to be better than the guy next on this list. But that's not the point. The point is that any sort of way that we can unblind ourselves to one person's rating, the better off we're going to be. And if you can use these tools in conjunction with a lot of this, it's a really, really fun thing. So I think having tried to make my own projection system, having tr- made my own ERA estimator, et cetera, et cetera, um, which are not hard to do, I should say, especially the ERA estimator. It's not a very hard thing to do. Um, the amount of difficulty that a project like this has to take any little thing that's wrong is not the point. Uh, so like, you bring mm-hmm. up hard hit rate. Like I'm like, I'm I'm only making fun of it because it's it's a bit at this point. It's actually yeah. probably baked and in a way I think that he's contractually matters. obligated in every episode to bring up that point. Also, I should say an, a, a case where I'm wrong about that point is probably actually people where you would want to know how often they're making hard contact in their bat because that might actually tell you about future potential something something. He can also improve his pr- approach. So it's like 
yeah, I'm sure that those component parts actually have a real meaning there that I'm not even considering. So this and, is like the case like, where it's less important. All of these systems at some point are relying on the data that's given to us. We're not mm-hmm. out there doing our own scouting and getting our own numbers on every single player across the league. And and if the input that we are forced to use has some sort of a flaw, then everybody is kind of just going to have to use that. But I, I mean... In terms of being able to separate minor league data, and Rick, here, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't tried to make any of these systems, so I don't, I don't mean to, to make it sound like I get something that maybe I don't. Um, but I, I imagine that um, you, you have to kind of just accept that as part of what you're doing, and everybody has to accept that as part of what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no um, real guarantee to any of these things. You, you can right. Twitter search a player and get some exit velocities, but it's just not available. We don't have the, the stack cast sliders. We don't have and max EV. Even when you do for major leaguers, nothing. I mean, that we play the games because we don't, we still don't know. And with that wide uh, array and, and depth of data, it's, you're still talking about humans. And we've made this point before too. Like you're talking about people who are making decisions and decisions can change outcomes. And, you know, if, if they have a year where they're going through a divorce off the field and they're on the field, performance suffers. I mean, that, that happens to people. So, um, yeah, we get, we get all that. Uh, I want to get to, uh, a, a pass fail topic. So I'm just kind of doing the, Hey, we need to wrap up this part of the discussion, but there's still airtime for us to be able to get to the last few things. So Rick, I'm going to give you the floor first because it's your system. So anything else that you kind of want to say, any other players that you want to bring up? Um, yeah, I didn't really talk pitching at all besides gray rods. So just a few names, um, definitely you take nothing else from this and you just want to add a couple of names. Um, uh, Peyton Battenfield of the, uh, guardians, Caleb Killian, um, of the Cubs and, uh, Gene Pinto of the Orioles. Um, those are three guys who should be relatively cheap or, you know, Pinto should be free to acquire in any league. And those are, he's in low A still, right? What's that? He's in low A. Uh, Pinto is, yeah, he's low A. 20 year old in low A. And I usually don't look at pitchers until they hit, uh, double A for my fantasy team, because that's such a huge jump, the high A to double A. Yeah. But uh, for him, it was a lot of just videos. I just watched videos of him, and I was just mm. enamored. He was just <laughs> such a great mound presence. He's so fun, and I just he just oozes star. And um, he's uh, ranked 27th on my list. He's got a 97 mile per hour fastball. Uh, he's got a moving change. Um, he's just just awesome. He's probably my favorite um, my favorite minor league pitcher right now. Um, Sell me on the other two too, quick. Give me the elevator pitch on uh, on Peyton and Caleb. Uh, they don't walk anyone, and they have strike rate strikeout rates that look like Bieber in the minors that can really mm. blow up when they come up. Um, I see a Bieber gallon type of breakout for each of them. Uh, they were well, both acquired. They were both no, acquired ahead, in deals, and uh, I, I someone sees something in both of them, and sure. um, yeah, the low. I was going to say that's a pretty convincing sales pitch. If you're, if you're, those are your comps. So I'm sold. Yeah, uh, those are those are the three <laughs> I keep going back to. But uh, you know, Killian and Battenfield are more known quantities than Pinto. Pinto is just completely out of left field. I don't think most people are on him. The other two, they are, but they shouldn't be too hard to acquire. If you know, giving up, you know, other uh, pieces to get them. Mm-hmm. But I, I would make that move. Sure. Sure. Alexander, any uh, any other questions, last-minute comments, any other stat you want to trash? Um, 
I think that pitcher wins are bad. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, and, well, they, they definitely are. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think um, I think as long as like the the whole point of this is also like we just want to know a little bit more than we used to. It's really fun to think then like um, that this will probably be like one of the few times where we might see guys dramatically different than some of the prospect lists. And I really just hope that if nothing else, I would love to know how even the existence of something like this might change the way that a lot of you know like standard process prospect writers mm. if that makes sense kind of real evaluate how consistent things might be for them because you know um nothing against groshans or anything i don't i don't know anything about them uh, like and again this is actually a kind of like a baked in i'm okay with this as a blind spot someone else can have fun with this like i would be very mediocre at a lot of dynasty leagues and i'm excited by that thought um <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm kind of curious you know like i know a good number of people who are very okay with being a little bit contrarian but even then you end up still getting a lot of the same guys at the top because they've got the couple of consistent tools that are really loud and i don't think we have near as much of like the exhaustive here's what actually turns out to matter like research as we could because like it just doesn't isn't there so anything that we can do that can kind of even get the ball rolling on that i think is fun um so well, yeah I, yeah i I definitely think that, number one, this is a system that is going to get people who do this to pay attention. They're going to be looking at what you're creating because it's a different way of doing it. And and like Alexander said, anything that's a different way, a different process that might be, uh, you know, roughing out or, or smoothing some rough edges in places that other, other processes don't, I think this is a beautiful thing. I think it's amazing. And, and I really... I, I think it's a big deal to put it out there. This is something we haven't really, really talked about. And, and I'm not going to put you in on a spot to have to say anything. You can if you want. But um, anything that's like this, that's a labor of love, that is a creative process or a creative piece, putting that out there for other people to see and talk about and have opinions on and, and judge well or not. Um, that's a very hard thing to do and to get to a place where you feel comfortable doing that. So, um, you know, all the kudos in the world for not only setting out to try and create something, trying to solve a problem, uh, getting something that, that makes sense, that works, uh, and then being willing to share it with the world. That's, that's really awesome. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. It's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable, especially in the world today. This is a, this is a tough world to be vulnerable in right now. Yeah. Um, I want to move to this pass fail segment to end the show today. And it has uh, absolutely nothing to do with prospects, but I'm dying to know what each of you thinks about the system with the, the wild card play in game. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like there's not a lot of people talking about whether they love this or hate this. So this is a general, uh, uh, genuine curiosity on my part. Um, and Rick, I'm going to give you the floor first. What, what are your thoughts on this? The, the wild card play in game. Um, I don't love it. Um, in baseball, any team can be any other team on any given day. Um, mm -hmm. if you expand that out to a series, usually the better team will win. Um, yeah. it's not like basketball where, you know, you, you know, who's going to win, you know, you know, who's going to have a good game. LeBron's not going to, you know, put up a 5.2 rebound game, but in baseball, you, you'll have your, you know, Juan Soto can go 0 for 5 with 4Ks on that night and then your season's sure. over. Yeah. So I, I'm not a fan of the uh, one and done. I think there should be, you know, uh, something maybe like uh, double elimination. You know, you have to, the, the lower uh, seated team has to win two in a row to knock them out. Uh, but mm -hmm. the higher 
seeded team can win just the one and, and be done. Something like that. Um, I just I don't like the one and done. I think you make a bunch of fair points. Uh, you're right. At any any given was in football they say any given Sunday, right? Any team could beat any other team. Now we're going to transition over here to Alexander, who I have a feeling has a slightly different take, and we're all going to be surprised by that. So go ahead, Alexander. What's your what's your feeling on this? Okay. So the first thing that I want to drop is that actually moving from one to three games, or three to five games, or even five to seven games, does not dramatically change the uh, outcome of the better team winning, because it's not just that everything's really random. Um, it's also that like, you know, in the long run, we're talking about teams that. Um, are still only you know like 60 percent win teams are really good right it's not just that like the the fluctuations day-to-day are really wild it's that they're really close in product so like let's take that we have two teams that won 60 percent of their games one of them will beat the other like 55 percent of the time um you know if you just like do the the really 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 simple math on that that ends up giving them like a 60 percent chance of winning a, a three-game series it doesn't take up all that much um like the upshot. I want to stop you and ask you an actual question. Do we have like actual research that shows that, or are these like your rough math, rough in your head, like oh no, back like, napkin this calculations? Is, this is like actual math, but like I'm ta- talking back in the napkin. Like I'm saying, like you can actually run all of the iterations to figure out if you presume that one team will beat another team 55 percent of the time. A three-game series only ups at about five percent chance, and then you know. It really doesn't matter all that much. Uh, I mean, one to seven is a big jump, but it's not that that big. So people really overestimate how often, you know, like things aren't just going to be really wild. Um, and the upshot of that is exactly the same idea. Then it's not just that we need to like make sure that there are enough games played. We need to make sure we keep the bad teams out. Now, if I were able to do revisionist history and rewrite baseball, there would be no playoffs. There would be no playoffs. Um, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> no, baseball is the perfect regular season only sport. Um, the fact that we do a playoffs too is kind of cool, I guess. But like, in a perfect world, like the no San Francisco Giants are world. your are your champions right now. No, um, bad, boo, bad, ugly. Wait, they're the best. They're the best yeah, team. I know. The best I record. Because that's because the, this is your soccer fan bias coming yes. in. Well, if it, but here's the flip side. In soccer, they they do it that way, but they also have relegation. So you'd have to have a relegation system too, if yes. you really, because then you actually have something to to play for and, and care about. Yes, well, we don't the have Orioles. to talk about that for very relegate long. Relegate the Orioles for sure. Rel- well, they definitely would. Well, it, it also might stop some of this tanking that's going. Anyway, that's a we'll talk about that on a completely different episode. Is, I'm with you, Rick, on this. I'm and, up for and, 45 minutes. Right on. To be clear. Hey, you can uh, you can tell me the the numbers uh, all day long about the percents and and like. If you're assuming that two teams that make the playoffs are roughly equivalent in terms of talent, um, that that uh, how the numbers play out. But you know, like I don't, I don't know. You, you watched that Red Sox Yankees game last night, and there was there was an energy about the way that Avaldi was throwing the ball, um, and an energy about the way that Cole was throwing the ball. And you know, they they put they put Cole out there, and he didn't have his best game. And now the Yankees are playing golf instead of baseball. Um, I I I really feel like like the one and done is brutal. Uh, now listen, maybe brutal is good. I, I I agree with you, Rick, in terms of like anything can happen between almost even like a playoff team and a non-playoff team, right? I mean, 
didn't the, the Yankees get beat up by the Orioles there towards the end? Um, so like it, at, at any point, something weird like that can happen and have your season end that way, I think is crushing, especially as a fan when you're just watching and you have absolutely no control over what's going on. You just want your team to make it one and done can be really, really brutal. So I, I mean, I like the idea of more teams making it into the playoffs, more like hockey and, and basketball. Um, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of the, the wild card play in game unless, unless you're doing it like, like there's a wild card team that makes it. And then there's two other teams that play in to play a, a short series. Like you really expand out the, the playoff system. I, 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 I'm not a big fan. And, and you know what, Alexander, maybe this is where it's, it's one of those things where like the, the baseball that I kind of, uh, digested when I was growing up with it and, and um, enjoying it, it was just a different brand. I mean, when I was a kid, there was like divi- two division winners, like that was it. So um, I, I think know, the thing uh, I could be behind like here. One in, I think the thing I could that? be behind here um, is if we had more divisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, roll with me here. Um, okay, okay. So. Um, I, I still think obviously we need an AL and an LNL, but I think if we expanded it to 32 teams and then there were like four divisions ish, I, I could be okay with that. The idea is I want your regular season record to, because baseball does generally reflect this, to reflect that you're the best team in your division and therefore no one else in your division deserves a chance to say that they are the best team in baseball that year. That is like that is like my fundamental. Yeah, but what thought. if the, what if you get in by one game? Isn't doesn't that go back to your whole idea that they're they're probably about the same talent level? It came down to one game in the standings, and fifty five percent of the time, either one of those teams could could beat the other one, right? Like, so is it really all that solidified that that uh, a division winner that wins by one game on the last last game of the season is necessarily the best team? I think that you need teams to act like that's the case. And I think that's really what I believe. I mean, if you want to make it so division winners get extremely better circumstances, I think that's kind of my perfect case where it's like, yeah, sure. Like let the 106 win Dodgers have a a shot, but like absolutely by no means should an 85 win team that didn't win their division have any shot at the world series. Get, get us away from that. We do not need Eli Manning winning a World Series, so to speak. Um, yeah. There's nothing magic wow. about that. You really know how to go to the jugular uh, on that one. Jeez. Hey. I, uh, I anyway, the, the the long and short of it, Rick, is as I agree with you. Um, and nice. and again, maybe it's because of the way that I've consumed baseball. Um, I, I really do feel, Alexander, that there are some things that it it makes me feel like an old man. But like, it, it, there's definitely been a a difference in how baseball is played and, and uh, the pro- on-field product and, and all of that sort of thing. And a lot of it's been very, very good, um, but it's different. And so like, if you've grown up with that different kind of baseball, I think you have a different kind of outlook on it, whatever the numbers say. I don't know. I, I just hate the idea of, of like my team is eliminated, even though they're probably the better team, just because my guy didn't have it that night kind of stinks. Yeah, you have 160 other 161 other games to have it though. That's kind of the other thing is like it's not football or basketball uh, where you know like one game is that. So anyways, I, I think that we're in the same universe of things that we care about, which is to say that we don't want the Cleveland Guardians to 
try to pay to have an 81 win team and then be okay because that gets them to the playoffs sure. neither of us are trying to create that world actively um and you know um that's my goal is i want i want the new york yankees to react to losing the wild card game by spending 75 million dollars more in payroll next year like sure. i want the team to just the be player pool yeah. absolutely that's working so great for them so far no like, yeah. well they, i hope they still lose but I, I like the idea of players at least getting paid that's true yeah i mean like the payroll like the, the tax floor is really low right now like it could be considerably higher it didn't like rise over the past five years despite the fact that revenues rose a bunch so like the yankees could be spending way more of the money that they're pocketing right now now that doesn't mean they'll spend it well but mm-hmm. i one can hope that they won't <laughs> yeah, but you know, like we wouldn't be in a situation where Tampa Bay is a perennial contender if they were being blown out of the water and spending by a lot more than they are. And you know, the fact that we're all like freaking out about how cool it is that they don't spend any money is arguably not a good thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, in in one vein, I think it's I think it's cool from the point of view of like the underdog, right? We all like to root for the underdog, but what's what the circumstances that lead to them being the underdog are are not great. Uh, Rick, I want to make sure that we give you some space here to talk about your uh, your other stuff that that you do, or where people can find your work. You know, plug your your stuff and and tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and and all of that. So uh, go ahead, take that away, and and really pump your stuff here. Yeah, I'm uh, only on Twitter. I don't have any other uh, social media at the time. So on Twitter, I'm at Parslist. That's uh, P A R S L I S T. Uh, you could find the pars list, uh, just type in, uh, B I T dot L Y slash pars list. Uh, that's P A R S is capital. And then list is lowercase and that'll bring you right to the list. If you don't want to go through Twitter, uh, that's really it. Um, I'm thinking about expanding maybe my own website, um, you know, a newsletter, um, have a lot of ideas, but, um, Mm -hmm. right now I'm just trying to get my final update to um the minor league season done um come up with my snapshot of 2021 so i can archive it and start fresh for next year (laughs) um so once that's done i'll start coming out with some team lists top 20 uh per team i'll start doing some you know top 20 per position um you know lots of lists so you can maybe start to see some repeating names of Mm -hmm. um you know targets guys you should add um, but that's really it. Um, the well, brand I, is I, brand new. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, re- I was just gonna say. I feel like a year from now, we're we're gonna reach out and, and have you back, and and you're gonna be hard to get because uh, I, I have a feeling this is gonna be in a different place by that that time next year. Well, uh, I'd love so, to be back. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I'll be in a year, but um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully, well, people are still looking at it, and uh, hopefully, it's still useful, and hopefully, Juan Yepes is uh, you know, look, winning rookie of the year. <laughs> There's uh, there's your other merch right there. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And, hey, thanks and for having me. It's been a blast. Um, it, it's it's been a lot of fun to hear your your perspective on all this, and I love the new voice in the room. Always, I think it's really really important, and I think that that what you're saying and doing and putting out there is it's pretty electric. So uh, that's that's awesome, Alexander. Any last words? I mean, not like forever. That sounded really morbid. Any anything else <laughs> that you want to say before we go? Uh, yeah, let's let's get the DH to the NL so that he has a better shot. Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, I, I, there's a lot of people who say that they're against it, but I have a feeling most people, right? It's got to be the majority. Has anybody actually put out a real, like, actual scientific poll 
It has to be more more people that want it than not. Oh, yeah, no, there's like just stupid support anywhere I've ever seen. Like, I think the best argument for avoiding it is um that you have hard coded some app that forces pitchers to hit or something like that and it would ruin your app. And that's it. And who would do that? That sounds so dumb. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, I will thank the listeners for being along on this ride for this episode and encourage you to go uh, go look at Rick's stuff. It's it's awesome. It's uh, thought provoking. And uh, at the very least, it's it's a conversation starter and hopefully gives you a little bit of an edge in your dynasty league. Um, definitely check that stuff out. Um, we know where we can find Rick on Twitter and and his list. Alexander, can you let the people know where they can find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the pitcher list podcast feed if you haven't done that already leave us a good review if you can be so kind and if you're not already please consider becoming a pl plus member so that you can harass us on the pl discord and that's it for me All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.